0: Hi, I'm Melissa Nash from Checkmark Collections. I've built a business out of collecting bad debt for good companies. If you're a good company with some bad paying customers, call us. We can help you get paid. No collection, no fees. The collections business is growing fast and Checkmark is looking for new franchisees. Visit CheckmarkCollections.com to find out more about collection services and franchise opportunities. Questions. Honest answers to questions you won't hear anywhere else. Totally the Q&A of the day. This reaction from our government. The Brian much Show. I don't get that. Today's Q&A, likeability in the 2024 presidential election. This is brought to you, as always, by Melissa Nash's Checkmark Collections. Each day, I feature a listener or a question that is sent by one of these methods you make. Email me, Brian Mudd at iHeartMedia.com. Hit me up on social at Brian Mudd Radio. You may also use the iHeartRadio talk back feature. Just go to WJNO inside of the iHeartRadio app. Follow it by the way. And then tap on the microphone button right next to the big play button. That is the talk back feature. You can uh, go ahead and lay down your message right there. We get it right away. Uh it could be perhaps for a future Q and A. Today's note is this. Brian, you once did a report on how the likability of a candidate plays a big part in their ability to win. But is there any info on how many people vote against a candidate because they hate him? This, of course, is the biggest issue with Trump and that no matter how big his support is, there are millions of people who literally hate him. I know many of them. How big of a factor is this in the upcoming election? Yeah, look, uh, there is no doubt that historically, likability has been a key factor in determining presidential winners. Likeability plays ways in uh, both ways in politics. Independent of other factors, it's much easier to turn out voters who want to vote for a candidate that they identify with and like than it is to get them to vote primarily due to their dislike of others. This is why the most common and often most effective form of campaign ads over the past 30 or so years have been attack ads, trying to drive down the likability of other candidates. There's huge value in having a political opponent who's viewed in a negative light. That said, it's not the end-all be-all either. To gain an idea of the level of importance likability has played in recent presidential election cycles, To answer today's question, I'll start by evaluating the likability and motivating factors behind the voters who elected our four most recent presidents, because it really does tell the story. All right, so the Pew Research Center has conducted extensive voter analysis studies for decades and provides a great baseline for understanding how important likability is in determining presidential winners. The way they have historically asked this question is like this. Is your vote more for the candidate that you're voting for, or against the other major party candidate. Now, starting with George W. Bush's victories over Al Gore and John Kerry, here is how voters answered. In 2000, 60% of Bush voters said they voted for him, with only 33% saying that their vote was primarily against Gore. Then in 2004, 77% of Bush voters said they voted for him, with just 19% saying they were voting primarily against John Kerry. So obviously, Bush's likability was the dominant factor in why people turned out to vote for him. And notably, his likability margin was much higher in his reelection bid in 2004, which was the more decisive victory of the two for him. And that takes us to Barack Obama's wins in 2008 and 2012. In 2008, 71% of Obama voters said they were voting for him, with only 24% who said they were primarily voting against John McCain. Then in 2012, 74% of Obama voters said they were voting for him, with just 22% who said they were primarily voting against Mitt Romney. So once again, we see that a winning candidate's strong likability among the base of voters who turned out was the driving factor for his two wins. And that takes us to the 2016 election. This is the election that proved to be different. In 2016, only 44% of Trump voters said they were voting for Donald Trump. 53% of Trump's voters in 2016 said they were primarily voting against Hillary Clinton. Now, this is telling not just because 9% more of Trump's voters in his 2016 win were mostly motivated to vote out of their dislike of Clinton, but also because most of Hillary Clinton's voters said they voted for her as opposed to Trump. The I'm with her people, remember those shirts? Anyway, Hillary's voters, 53% said they voted for her, 46% said they voted against Trump. Somewhat unsurprisingly, given the result that ran counter to the four elections preceding it, the 2016 election featured two candidates with negative favorability ratings, which appears to have changed the dynamics of the race enough to allow for the eventual outcome. Though it is worth pointing out that Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote. So, I mean, we're having a conversation within the context of the electoral college, but the person who did have the uh, the more voters that said they were voting for that candidate, did win the popular vote. So anyway, this takes us to 2020, which is actually a different version of a similar thing. In 2020, only 36% of Joe Biden's voters said they were voting for him, just 36%. While 63% of Biden's voters said they were voting against Trump. Boy, you can see the motivating factor there. Of the anti-Trump vote, right? And that's especially notable in the context of the likability conversation. Because get this. Trump entirely flipped the script in 2020 with his support. 71% of Trump's voters said they voted for him. With only 29% who said they were voting against Biden. So it's an entire inverse of what we've otherwise seen. So here's the bottom line. Trump is an outlier. He's an outlier. He won the presidency based primarily on disdain for the opposing candidate, and he lost the presidency based primarily on disdain for him. So that takes us to today's question. How big of a factor is this in the upcoming election? Look, the easy knee-jerk reaction to a potential Biden-Trump rematch is that the outcome would likely be more of the same. And that's possible. However, with the likability factor in mind, the race would actually not at all be the same. You see, Joe Biden's favorability rating was positive on Election Day 2020. It averaged 51 percent. Biden's favorability rating today is only 40 percent. Trump's favorability rating was just 42 percent on Election Day 2020. Trump's favorability rating stands at 38 percent today. So while both Trump and Biden have lower favorability ratings today than when they first face off, Biden's nine-point advantage back then has been reduced to just a two-point advantage today. How, Given how close several swing states were in determining the 2020 election, that difference, that, that seven-point swing, could potentially be enough to swing back into Trump's favor. In other words, should there be a rematch between the two, the election wouldn't look like it did in 2020. It would look far more like the 2016 election, where you would have two candidates That are both disliked by most voters, and including, by the way, a situation in which I believe turnout would be lower as a result. This is something I've talked about previously. So if the election is anything other than a Biden-Trump matchup, we might be able to expect a return to the historical norms in which the most liked candidate wins. There you go.